Thank you so much for joining me in this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I know you're going to be impacted by the message of God's unconditional love. God is only good. He loves people. He cares for people. And that is what you will experience in this message today. It's all about Jesus. It's not about behavior modification. It's not, we are not a, um, a, a behavior modification ministry. We are here to alter what you believe. It's all about what man believes. It's all about um, what are you persuaded of concerning Jesus Christ and you. And that is the whole gospel. This morning I read on a blog um, where they talk about how do you establish biblical truth. Um, and I realized that if you want to try and establish biblical, tr- biblical truth just from reading scriptures, you're gonna, it's going to be very, very difficult. The way God... Um, proclaimed the gospel was through preaching. He gave a concept to his disciples. And from that, they preached forgiveness of sins. And the, the first man that radically preached grace was the Apostle Paul. And what he preached to the Gentiles was that there is forgiveness of sins to you through, uh, um, without any law, just by what one man has done for us all. And from that perspective, you can go and uh, read scripture. Otherwise, you're not going to see the word of God. Yesterday, I also listened to a message where, um, where people discussed uh, grace and, and, um, and the cross. And they take a scripture in Galatians 2, verse 16. And they say that uh, we are saved by keeping the law and believing in Jesus Christ. Taking a scripture from Galatians, proving... <laughs> according to them, that you are saved by believing in Jesus and keeping the law. Uh, so, well, what a, what a lot of nonsense. So, I want to say to you that we want to bring the gospel to you of what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you go on to dynamicministries.com, go on to our forum, whatever you have to do with us, it's all about what God has done for you. We're not going to change that message. Like I said last, um, last Sunday or the Sunday before, um, I preached in church and the guy said to me, Bertie, but you guys are saying the same thing over and over and over. And that is the vision. That is our passion. To say the same thing over and over and not to change. To keep to this. Amen. And we were, we were talking about spiritual warfare and um, today I'm going to speak a little bit on prayer. And uh, next Sunday we'll get into spiritual warfare again. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that I've got the opportunity to preach this gospel of your unconditional love to people watching this all over the world. I thank you, Lord, that people will be established in what you've done, established in your unconditional love, established in who you are, and that is our passion, to see that in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for how much you care for the human race. Thank you, Lord, that when we look at Jesus, we look at what you have done with us. I thank you, my God, that by faith we've got access into this grace and we see the manifestation of what you've done 2,000 years ago in our lives. Thank you for that, my God. I love you. You're a beautiful God. You're an awesome God. And thank you that you speak through me powerfully today, bringing life to thousands of people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right, before we get into the Word, I want to thank everybody that made donations towards our trip to Zambia. Our budget is met. Um, we will be going to Zambia on the 13th, and we will return on the 24th. So, we will be away from the 13th until the 24th. Um, I'm very excited about this trip to Zambia. I know people's lives are going to be impacted and touched by this gospel of grace. The area where we go is very, very poor. Um, people struggle, most people, literally most people, out of a town of, say, 5,000 people, you can find maybe 50 cars. Uh, It's really, really poor. People are going through hard times there, um, but they've got a passion for the gospel. This pastor's been inviting me back all the time, and we are going on the 13th. So, thank you for everybody that's hot, is there with us, for the people that did uh, sponsor this. You are such a blessing. Amen. One thing I've realized um, <clears throat> yesterday while making a recording, I, I spoke to one of my friends and said to me, Bertie, you must make something in the forum that says Bertie's Bible study notes. And uh, I, I, made, I, I was ministering or just sharing about 
the tithe and how the tithe works. And I saw something more again about Jesus and how the tithe worked. If you go and look at Malachi 3, you will see that the tithe Jesus spoke about was not the tithe that they ate themselves. It was a tithe that had to be given to the people that couldn't... It was, he was saying, you were robbing me in this tithe, the tithe that had to be eaten by the, the priest and the widows and the, um, the orphans and the strangers and the poor. So, he said, you are robbing me because you are not giving that tithe and making it available for the poor. And that was the only tithe that had to, basically, you didn't partake of yourself. It was somebody else who partake of your tithe. Now, what I saw in that was, <clears throat> all those that had to eat there was something that was given by somebody that had abundance, so that those who could, could not produce for themselves could partake of and have abundance. That's what it was. It was a tithe that was given to those that couldn't buy their own works. They didn't have land. The Levites didn't have land. The, um, the poor couldn't, couldn't get it right by their own ability to prosper. The widows couldn't prosper. It was poor people. The stranger, speaking about the, um, the Gentiles, they couldn't prosper. It speaks about a, a tithe, something that was given by a rich person or somebody that had more than enough given to those who couldn't by their own ability be blessed. And that speaks of Jesus Christ. He was given to those that cannot by their own works be saved. Not that they can be anybody saved. So, it speaks of the tithe. There for us all. Hallelujah. And we take what Jesus Christ has done and we partake of it in remembrance of His sacrifice. Hallelujah. You know, let me tell you something. If you want to uh, uh, determine truth out of the Bible, um, without first having the mindset of what Christ has already done, you will be so confused. Let me tell you, God came and revealed to the Apostle Paul the truth of how the Old Testament and Jesus Christ comes together. And if you want to see the truth about the gospel, about what the gospel is, you read the writings of the Apostle Paul. From the writings of the Apostle Paul, we understand what Jesus Christ said. If we didn't have what was written to, uh, what God gave Paul, we wouldn't understand the typology that Jesus used in what we're going to read today, in Luke chapter 18. God revealed to that man the truth of what has happened in the man, Jesus Christ. He was persecuted for that truth. He was eventually killed for that truth. It was a message where the Jewish people said, let's kill this apostle that preaches grace. For he speaks blasphemy against the law. He speaks, like they said to Jesus, he speaks blasphemous things against the temple. He said, it was blasphemy for them to say, well, I will raise this temple up in three days, if it, if it took 46 years to build. He just said, it's like, like no work, it's worth nothing. It can be raised up like this. They saw it as blasphemy. In the same way, when the Apostle Paul came, he, they said, go and preach to the Gentiles, Paul, because it will be better for you, and this I put in my own words, to go and preach for the Gentiles, because if you preach for the people that are passionate about the law, they are going to kill you. So he preached a message that was so radical against man's own works to be saved that people that put their trust in, what, uh, in, in works and in the law became so angry that they would kill Paul thinking they do God a favor. That's the greatest thing. You know, so many times people, they, um, <clears throat> they don't know. They think they do God a favor. And if you go and read uh, Timothy, let's just see if I can find that scripture again. It's such a powerful, powerful scripture. Um, yeah, First Timothy chapter 1. Let's read from verse 4. It says, Neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies, which ministers questions rather than godly edification, which is in faith. So it says, you're, forget about this genealogy thing. Forget about all those type of things. It just brings um, confusion and questions. And it does not bring godly edification. Now, the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart 
and a good conscience and faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man used, <coughs> use it lawfully. The way Jesus used it, and we're going to look at that today. So he says here, there are people that desire to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor what they affirm. You know, so many times we think that we are saying, let's live a holy life. We think that we are saying this, victory in Christ. But thinking that by your works you are saved, thinking that adding a little bit uh, to what Christ has done will just make this thing beautiful. Let me tell you something, you don't tamper with perfection. I've said it before, if there's a beautiful painting, uh, a Van Gogh or something, you don't come with your own art ability. I don't care if you're the best painter or the best artist in the world. You don't add to that. Because anything you try to add, you are taking away the original value of that painting. And the intent of the person who painted it in the beginning. In the same way, we don't add to what Jesus Christ has done. We come with simplicity and we believe that through one man, righteousness came to us as a free gift. When we believe on that, that righteousness is ours and we live from that perspective. You know, um, so many times people say, let's make this more practical. (laughs) You can't find it more practical than this. One man came and made you righteous and the very being of God, uh, into the very being of God, and God indwells you and lives in you and practically manifests who God is in your life, in every area of your life, in your thoughts, in what you say, in how you handle your finances, in how you raise your kids or whatever, so that we don't have to tell you how to raise your kids. So that we don't have to tell you that's how practical this gospel is. So that we don't have to give you ten steps in how to handle your finances. That we can just give you one truth, and this is the truth that God will live in you. If God lives in you, you don't need any step to anything. You don't need a practical message for God is a practical God that practically came and indwells the human race or the human, a human being that believes. He indwells a person who believes and when you believe you find who God is manifesting in your life. And God stands there waiting for people to believe upon Him so that He can indwell them by His Holy Spirit and that they can also know what it is to have God inside them and God living through them. To go to people that don't believe this good news and teach them ten lessons in how to fake the real thing is not the gospel. It is not what God intended for you. It's not what God intended for the human race. When God looks at us, I want to tell you, he looks at the whole world. He looks at the Chinese people, the Indian people, or the people in India. He looks at the people in Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, Africa, South America, the US, Russia, Australia. He looks at all this and he says, I only see one thing. I've made to all of them, I've made the very being of God available as a free gift if they can now come and simply believe this gospel of grace. And now we can't come and tamper with what God has done by trying to bring a behavior modification message telling people, listen man, just act right. You know, if you can't believe right, then simply just act right. And if you act right, then God's going to do something in your life. It's not true. I think the time has come when we preach this gospel simple and clear and as it is. I remember years ago we were, we were um, preaching in Mozambique. And this one guy, he liked my message a lot and he said to, in, in Afrikaans, he would say, That means preach it as it is. And that is, that's it. Just preach it as it is. Believe it as it is. God came and did it for you. And Elena said it so powerfully last night, if you, many times we want to add a little bit of practical things because we cannot trust 
that God that lives in us is a practical God that will just manifest in your life. And now we want to add our works because we don't see it. If you don't see it, my friend, just study it more, believe it more, hear the gospel more. I've seen it so many times. People come in doubt when it comes to this gospel because they believe it is good for themselves and they look at others that differ. I want to tell you, my friend, when it comes to me and my house, we are dedicated to this message. And anything that brings, uh, uh, anything that looks as, uh, as, as something that wants to get us away from what we believe, we see it as an outright attack of Satan. We're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to look at it as if, well, what is your opinion? If it is a law thing, if it is anything guiding us away from this, we see it as of the devil. And we treat it as of the devil. We cast it out. We're not going to tolerate that. It's like, a, it's like a, a, um, you know, we, when it comes to finances like tithing or, or something like that, I don't reconsider what God has said. For what He has said is based in the cross of Jesus Christ. The only thing I will consider is if you can show to me a little bit more of Christ in that peace. But if you want to show a little bit of Moses in that, I see that's from the devil. And I treat it accordingly. And I think that's how what we should do when it comes to spiritual warfare. So many times we think that because it comes through this wonderful friend and this, this soft, tender-hearted person, a message of condemnation, we don't want to offend the man, so we now sit out with his nonsense. People, we don't do that. We don't do that. Love the man, but be straightforward concerning what you believe. And don't tolerate anything else. You know, I, I was just, uh, um, last night I said to Helena, uh, you know, sometimes we feel, well, the way I feel is like, if you look at the internet, I think, and we look at television, it is, the greatest time for the spreading of this message is today. We are seeing more people believe in this message than ever before. Um, it is it's spreading on a medium called the internet that cannot be... I mean, this message cannot be stopped. Years ago, you could, in a church, somebody could believe this, uh, 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 some elder or some pastor stands up and just make, call him a rebel and cast him out and people are scared of him. But these days, it doesn't work like that. People can go and listen for themselves, think for themselves, and hear the gospel for themselves on the internet. So we see this message being spread worldwide. We are seeing thousands of people having access to this message. Where years ago you didn't have access to it. Before the internet you had the Bible, um, which was an access, but you had a, a, a mind that was blinded, and you couldn't look at this. You, you couldn't see it. You didn't have somebody who could simply explain so that you can hear, so that you can enter in. But these days it's not like that. But even when we see all of this, uh, I said to my wife, you know, yes, we are making an impact. And our vision is not to see what impact can we make. We, yes, we are spreading the gospel. But there are thousands of other people also spreading the law. And when I saw that, I said to her, all we can do is continue to spread this and believe that God uh, uh, raises up other people, and we see it everywhere, that also believe this. And this will, will cover this globe. This good news will cover this globe. This message of grace will put the law message out of business. I tell you the truth. People will start to believe this, they will start to be set free. The other day I preached at a... At a, um, a, 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 a when was it? Was it on? Monday? No, Wednesday. I preached at a businessman's meeting. It was such an awesome, it was such an awesome time. I stood up, preached the gospel. There was about a hundred men. Um, at the end of the message, you know, during, <laughs> during the message, the first thing I started, I said in Romans, Romans 5.19 says that one man brought sin into the world. And through the disobedience of one, all became sinners. And through the obedience of one, that very same people that became sinners will, becomes righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by our obedience. He obeyed on our behalf. When I said that, there was a, a guy on the left said, What are you telling me? In Afrikaans, he said, Neeman, what say you? So, I mean, it's like, 
wow, you know, this, people were grabbing it. And after a while, you, you start to hear people clapping hands. They were so excited hearing this message of grace. And I could preach to that hundred businessmen and end the thing off with teaching them on the tithe. Amen. I was speaking on the tithe. Telling them, listen, the tithe says this. You know, the tithe is Jesus Christ. You don't have to be condemned. You don't have to be, feel judged. You don't have to, have to feel, um, you know, that, 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 well, God is not doing it for me. You don't have to feel that. You, have to know, you, can, you can feel inside your heart that God provides for us, that the gospel is everything. And those hundred businessmen, they invited me back and said, please come and preach to us again. And most of them had a law mindset. And what happened at the end, they asked a, a, a priest to come and pray for me. They asked this guy to come and pray for me. They said to him, listen, um, the, the leader said, I don't know if we must deliver Bertie or pray for him. And he was just joking. So this guy came up and he said, nobody here needs deliverance. Uh, everybody here needs deliverance except him. For he was preaching the gospel, the true gospel. And he stood up and he said, in front of everybody, that he repents for what he preached. And this is the true gospel. So in the same way, I want to tell you that little by little, this message is growing and grabbing a hold of the hearts of people. For God is, is behind this. When we speak this grace, it's empowered by God. It's empowered by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God behind the whole thing. It's God sponsoring it. So I want to tell you, my friend, you don't have to be ashamed or afraid to be part of something that God is part of. We don't look and see how many people believe what we believe. If it is you and God believing something, you are in the majority, you are right. If the whole world believes anything else than this simple gospel, the whole world is wrong and God is right that made this gospel and those who believe the simple gospel. Not about right and wrong, but it's about what, what, what produces life. What did God come to give to us? And I'll tell you, my friend, if I am a normal man and I can be passionate about what Christ has done, how much more is God not passionate about this message for you? He wants you to believe this. He wants you to have the freedom to walk in this and to boldly proclaim this and apply this in every area of your life. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. My friend, I want to tell you just before we start there, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in who God is and in the power that raises you up unto who you really are. Don't be strong in people's opinions. Don't be strong in what does this guy say and what does that guy say. Let's be strong in what God has said and in what God has done. And you might say, Bertie, but you know, it's difficult for me to believe that God through one man, Paul the Apostle, could bring this revelation. Just one man. Well, that is what God did. I don't say that, that Paul is higher than Jesus. All I'm saying is, Paul, explain to us what, in what level of authority Jesus Christ came. And it, came, it, it becomes open and clear to us so that we can believe and walk in this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, another thing that I've seen is the more radical you preach this, the better the results. It is just like that. I've seen it so many times. My friend, if you share this message with somebody, don't share it in a way that he doesn't know what you're saying. Don't share it in such a... Don't put in so much... Coated, so, so candy coated that you, the guy doesn't know what you are saying. People need to know, they need to hear, they need to know that one man obeyed on behalf of all of the human race. So that whosoever believes has got access into the very being of God, free from any of his good works. That is the gospel. Free from obedience to one law. 
people need to know, it needs to be radically preached, what was said in Acts 15, that why do we put a burden on the neck of the Gentiles to preach the Lord to them? If the Gentiles could simply be saved by the hearing of the word, believing it, their hearts were purified, they received the Holy Spirit as the seal of their salvation. Meaning, in the return of Jesus Christ, they will receive immortal bodies. If a Gentile who's never confessed his sin, who's never, who was still busy with pagan worship, simply hear the gospel without even confessing anything, just hearing it and receiving the Holy Spirit, and God in such a way spoke and preached to the apostles, and through such an action, he explained what, the, what, what, um, what he, he proclaimed, what Paul also proclaimed to Peter. Saying, why do you tempt God? Why do you tempt God by adding laws? I'm sorry my friend, I'm not against anybody. But my, let's not tempt God. Let's not tempt God by making it difficult for people to experience the salvation that God came and gave freely. It's like me. If, say I donate uh, 20 tons of food to poor people in Africa. And the people who must distribute it put such high standards that nobody can get any of the food that I gave for free. That is wrong. You received it for free to distribute it for free. Amen. That's the gospel. We preach this gospel radically. We, we are not saying, listen man, the Bible says God is not the, the, the acceptor of the person. So, we are not going to say, well, you know, to this type of person, he doesn't really understand, and he, so let's try. No, no, we preach this gospel straight the way it is, and in that is the power of God that sets people free forevermore. And I want to encourage you, my friend, uh, if, if you're part of a cell group, if you're part of a, a, a friend group, teach this radically. People can laugh at you. Let, let them say whatever they want. It doesn't matter. It is the gospel that goes to people, that brings them love and peace. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18 from verse 1, And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint, saying, there was in a certain city which feared not God. There was a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Now listen to this. There was in a certain city a judge which, which feared not God, neither regarded man. Now that is a bad person. He does, he's got no fear for God. So he will kill you. He doesn't care. He doesn't think God can get him or anything. He's got no fear for God. And he doesn't regard any man. He doesn't care for man. Your money can't push him over. Your poverty can't push him over. Your begging, nothing can touch this guy. And there was a widow in that city. Now look at this. This is this judge, which cannot be influenced by any man. And then no money could buy this guy. No hellfire condemnation message could push this judge anywhere. And then there was a widow. Now, you've got the poor, the widows, the orphans, the, um, uh, 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 the, the strangers. They were the people that were looked down upon. They couldn't fend for themselves. They were just nothing. If, if a widow would die without a husband, she's got no influence, she's just a nothing. In the old Jewish way, you know, and, and uh, even like with the Islam, a woman is just nothing. It's just somebody that works for you. You know, they are heard, they don't say anything. So, it was just like a nothing. She's a widow, what does she mean? She's, she had a husband, she had kids, maybe she's older now. You know, so she's of no use. So, here comes a widow. And she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. Go and read it in the Greek. It means, punish my adversary. <laughs> Judge, please punish that person. Punish my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Now what is, 
what is uh, God trying to say? Let's read verse 6. Here, uh, and Jesus said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God, now I want to put in my own words, who is a just God, avenge his own elect, punish that which is against his own elect. Who is his own elect? It is all of us. And will God not punish that? He took the punishment for our sins upon the cross and removed the law forevermore. Amen. Which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. Man, this is really something. This is really something. What is he talking about? He says, there was a judge. Didn't care for anybody. But he could be good to somebody that's a nobody. If a judge that doesn't care about anybody and a woman who was a nothing could come and believe in goodness in a man who had no goodness and he could be good to somebody who doesn't even qualify and he's an unjust judge. How much more can we not know that God will be good to us who are elect of Him? Don't give up believing that's what he said here. So, so many times we take prayer and, 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 and it says here, and he spoke this parable unto them to, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. And we take this and we say, well, prayer is, well, I'm going to pray, oh Lord Jesus, I pray, thank you for a breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, that you help me. Oh, and you, and you continue to pray. <clears throat> you think it's prayer. It is reciting words. It's praying the Lord's Prayer over and over. That's what people think. It thinks of, well, have I prayed one hour or two hours? This is not talking about praying every day. That's not what it's talking It's not talking about begging God. It's not talking about um, asking God for a car. It's not talking about any of those things. It talks about continual belief in Jesus Christ. And to me, that is true prayer. True prayer is communication between man and God concerning the very person and being of God. That's true prayer. And what he was saying here is there was a woman that came to this unjust judge and he and she would say, I believe that you can be good to me. Why do you think she came there? She continued to believe. She never stopped to believe. And out of that faith, she had an expectation of that, what that judge could bring her. In the same way, he says, with the Lord, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him? Now, now it says, people say, we cry day and night unto him. Listen, there's nobody that cries day and night unto God. Day and night, the way we think of crying unto God, prayer on your knees, praying day and night unto God. I don't know of such a man. I don't know of a man that's prayed for one year, non-stop, without sleep, crying day and night unto God. I don't know of such a man. There is, such a man does not exist. I don't know of a man who has, who has fought for four weeks or a month, not think of anything else, But God, crying unto God day and night. There is not such a man or woman. There's never been such a person. There will never be such a person. What he's talking about here is continual faith. Because he says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And that is the whole thing. To me, crying to God day and night is continual belief in Jesus Christ. I know of people that has believed for many years, for decades, day and night believed on Jesus Christ. That I, that I can believe. That is so. So our crying unto God is a continual belief in what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's our crying unto God. That is our prayer. We continually believe. And then he says here that we are crying day and night unto him and he still takes long. So what does that mean? It doesn't say, shout unto God, Oh, come Lord Jesus, avenge us. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Praying with those words day and night. That's not what it says. What it is saying here is, we are believing day and night, non-stop. And in the New Testament context, in the return of Jesus Christ, that that who we are, 
that this wonderful treasure in earthen vessels, that the vessel will also be glorified with the same glory as that which is inside it. If we take it in the Old Testament context, that for thousands of years, people were waiting for the coming of the Messiah to bring forth righteousness unto man, so that God could redeem man unto his original value, unto his plan with man in the beginning, to have man as a God being on this planet. Hallelujah. I like what Francois de Toy says. He says, if somebody steals something, when does he become the legal owner of that thing? Never. If somebody steals my cell phone, he can phone with the phone. He can use the phone. But when does the phone become the thief's phone? Never. It will still belong to me. In the same way, when man sinned in the beginning, deceived by Satan, when Satan came and stole the very life out of man, man didn't become the property of Satan. We still belong to God in a fallen state, in death, belonging to God. And God loves, what he, God still loves us, and we belong to Him, we are lost belonging to God. God's possession was just lost, but it's God's possession. God's man was stolen, but it was still God's man. And God said, I will redeem him, I will set him free from that thief that stole from him stole from me. And the thief that stole came with a message that says, you are not, you must become. And that stole the very life out of man. And inside my heart, there's this passion that I, I, I can't understand. When people, I understand if people ignorantly comes and say, well, you know, preaching the law. But if people stare the truth in the face, and they are confronting, confronted with the truth. How can you still then fend for that which robs man from the life of God inside him that cost the very cost God, His Son, to give us that freedom? And we want to squander it. We want to squander God's heart one gift of freedom by standing for something that Satan brought in. Standing on the side of the enemy, fending for the enemy's message. That's why Paul said to Timothy, there are those that preach the law, not knowing what they say, or what they affirm. Not knowing on whose side they stand on. Thinking so deceived by Satan, that they think that they are preaching the gospel, but they are actually preaching death. And that's what Jesus said. Because Jesus is taking a long time, let's take this into New Testament context, because Jesus takes a long time to come back, because maybe you don't see that fruit of the Spirit manifesting right there in your life, now you're going back to the law. You believe in grace concerning finances, all of a sudden you go through a hard time, now you reconsider. Giving to get. Let me tell you, my friend, if an unjust judge could be good to a widow that was just worth nothing, how much more will God, who is not unjust, who has chosen you to be His blessed, prized possession, not bless you, Don't let time deceive you. Hallelujah. Don't let time deceive you of who you really are. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus, for this awesome truth. And this is what is written here. We pray continually. My cry towards righteousness is continual, day and night, towards God. We believe continually, day and night, on what Jesus Christ has done. We don't change what we believe concerning that. And when He returns, will He find faith on the earth? Yes. There will be people that find faith. There will be people that believe this. And this is what Jesus says. His whole thing is, will there be people that can still believe that God can avenge His elect and give them an immortal life? 
Will there be people that continue to believe that? When He returns. Now this could also be in the turn of Jesus that after He uh, uh, returned out of the grave and returns and stood up, will He find people still believing in Him? You know, will the twelve still believe or that or whatever? I, don't, I want to make it applicable to our lives today. When Jesus returns, will there be people, will you still be crying day and night? What is our cry? Our cry is this. We believe in a God that can be good to us. We believe in a God that is good to people that don't qualify. And after He's made us qualified in the Beloved, how much more will He not judge in our advantage, to our advantage? We are not scared for Judgment Day. We are every day waiting for that day. Thank you, my God. And He spoke this parable unto certain which trusted them trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now let's just look quickly at the life of a person who trusts in himself and despises others. How does such a person's life look? It says this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican or a tax collector. So the one was somebody who lived according to the Lord, did everything right and had faith in God. The other one had faith in God but did nothing right. The Pharisee stood and prayed like this with, with, with himself. God, I thank you that I am not as other men. So what does he do? He thanks God. So what, he, what he's actually saying is, the source of who I am and the reason why I am the way I am is because of God strengthening me and giving me the ability to be good. Okay. God, I thank that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. So what does he do? He says the value of a person is determined by what he can do right. And he says God has enabled him to do right, therefore he is a good person, trusting in his own ability and God giving him power to do good so that he can see who he is by what he does. And I tell you, my friend, that is what God calls a man... Trusting in his own ability. And I want to tell you, my friend, let's not fall into that deception. That is a deception. It is not the truth. It is simply just a deception. What it says here is, a man comes, he trusts in who he really, in who he is, by saying, God, thank you that you have given me, you've helped me, that I can't be like, that I'm not like an adulterer, an extortioner, unjust, or even as this tax collector, a thief of money. Then he said, why he is better. He says, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. (laughs) He says he fasts twice a week. Now listen man, if we just had our religious way of prayer, this Pharisee prays the most. He prays more, he fasts twice a week. And he goes to the temple praying three times a day. Or five times a day, I don't know. He was praying daily. What was the tax collector doing? He was stealing daily. And this guy said, Oh God, I thank you. You know, he didn't just come and say, Well, um, you know, I am just better than these people. He went to the temple, prayed to God. Say, God, I thank you that I am better than these. And then he told, he told us the way in which he measured who he really was. He measured who he was by what he did. And the tax collector didn't look up, listen to this, I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all I possess. And the publican stand afar off would not lift as much as his eyes unto heaven and smote upon his breast saying, Be merciful to me, a sinner. He didn't find, he said, I in myself am not good, but all I do is I come like this woman and I say, God, I rest upon who you are and not upon who I am. For if I look at my deeds, it shows that I can't qualify. And I don't make any uh, uh, demand on what I can do because by deeds truly I'm a sinner now I want to say this if you would look at the life of this ta- tax collector I could tell you that he also had good things 
there was some area in his life when he had something good, where he would have forgiven somebody, or where he would have um, not asked as much tax as what he was supposed to ask, or whatever. Maybe he, I mean, he also, he, he was a Jew. A tax collectors, they were Jews. He was in the temple. He could, could have said, well, you know, I've given the, 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 the Passover lamb, I've, I've given my sacrifices and all those type of things. But he didn't make demand on any of his works. The biggest deception today is that we think that God enables us to do good works so that we can find our value by what we do. Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the, 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 the Pharisee that prayed. For every man that exalts himself shall be abased and every man that humbles himself shall be exalted. Hallelujah. So exalting yourself is saying, God, thank you that you give me the ability to do these good works and then you find any, then you find merit in that. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free and setting the church free. Do you know what? If you come to God, let's just uh, uh, use fasting here and tithing. If you come to God and you say, God, you know, I am dedicated to you and you've empowered me to be dedicated. Thank you that I'm so holy that I can fast twice a week. And I make a demand on my fasting saying, I have fasted and I demand an answer. Do you know what that means? You are exalting yourself, my friend. That's what it means. If you come and say, God, I pay tithes of all. I'm a tither. Therefore, you can bless me. I'm better than. What you're actually saying is, I'm better than those. You've empowered me. I thank you that I can tithe so that you can bless me. I can tithe. Even he, This guy didn't even say tithe to bless me. Just do this holy thing. You know that I am so set free that I can at least give 10%. Thank you God that you've set me so free that I can today come and say I give 10% and out of what I give I can see that I am better than this person that cannot give. You've exalted yourself. That's what the Bible says. You've exalted yourself. I want to tell you my friend if you are watching this broadcast maybe you're watching the live broadcast maybe watching this in the archive 10 years from now maybe you're watching this and I've already passed away 50 years or 100 years from now I want to tell you, my friend, the truth in Jesus Christ. And that is that God does not place value upon you according to your own works. You are not, don't find your value in what you can do for God. Know that in your own ability you don't qualify. Make a demand on a God that can be merciful to people that does not qualify. And you will see how God blesses you. The problem that happens in the church, the problem that happens in the mind of man is after he gets saved, all of a sudden he thinks, because good works manifest in them, that good work still means something to God. That is wrong. Because we haven't, we still walk with that law mentality that we had before we got saved. We are so thankful that we are now saved by the mercy of God and the grace of God. Now we think once we are forgiven, we're going to try again. And because we see God working in our hearts, we are so happy to see the good works because now we feel good about ourselves because we see the manifestation of good works in our lives. My friend, if I preach here, I don't feel good about myself preaching here or because I preach here. This is not what makes me feel good about who I am. The resurrected Christ is my only point of reference of who I am, not what I do. If I pray for someone who gets out of a wheelchair, I don't feel good about myself because of that. I feel good about who I am because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, placing value on me, giving me the very life of God. The reason why I feel good about myself is because my name is written in the heavens by the mercy of God. The Bible says that the, 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 the disciples came and they cast devils out of people. And they came home and say, Oh, we are so happy. The demons are subject to our name. To, to your name. When we come. Jesus said, don't be happy. You know, because of the miracles that happen through your life. Don't find your value or your stature or who you are in that. 
Oh, we are so grateful. Look what we can do in the name of Jesus. Repent, he said. Jesus said to them. Change your belief. Your value is not determined in demons being subject to you. Your value is determined by God writing your names in the heavens. How did he write our names in the heaven? The Bible says that we've got a high priest that went through the heavens in, in a human body, bringing righteousness as a free gift to us all. Hallelujah! So I want to say to you, my friend, if you have given some good thing to somebody, don't find your value and say, well, at least, you know, I see the grace of God working in my life. I don't shout at my wife. And now you find your value if you shout at your wife or not. Well, look at us, what we do. It's like Paul said. Paul said, it is foolish to boast. Foolishness. Foolishness. And then he does boast and he says, I've been drawn into this foolishness by you. By other people. He says, I didn't didn't want to boast. But it's the only language you understand. Because you can't face and see the true reality of who we are in Christ. I've got to now come with works and explain who I am by what manifests in my life. Making what is in me real by the manifestation of works. Saying, this is who I am because of what I can do. Am I not a true apostle? Have I not wrought miracles amongst you and all that? Paul called that foolishness. Talking about that. Because the truth about who we are is not what we can manifest in our lives. I'm not saying that we shall not manifest anything. You will manifest the very being of God. You will see God live in you when you believe this gospel, my friend. But that is not our measurement of righteousness. You know, when we get to church meetings and pastoral meetings, you know, the, the whole thing of how big is your church? What car do you drive? How new is your car? Um, what clothes do you wear? All of that falls out of the bus when it comes to our true identity in Jesus. When it comes to God in human flesh. My friend, I want to tell you you can be set free. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, you are believing day and night. You are praying day and night already. Continue believing this. If you are a believer and make your demand on the goodness of God towards normal people, making us righteous by His judgment. Oh, hallelujah. If you're a believer of that, my my friend, I want to tell you, don't be condemned when it comes to prayer. Do I pray enough or don't I pray enough? Your belief that originates out of God's work on the cross and His obedience on behalf of all of man is the source of your belief and your faith. Stick to that message so that you can have a continual faith that will never end and in Jesus' return He will find faith on this earth. So let's continually, non-stop believe this message not by trying to believe it but by keeping our eyes in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Thank you, God. Father, I want to thank you for every person that has listened to my voice. I thank you they are so touched by this message. What a liberating gospel. Thank you, Father, for the power and the anointing that as I can sit here, I can experience such a joy, such a a deep conviction that this is the only truth Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I declare over every person that listens to my voice that you are set free by this truth. You can believe it. You can believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, I want to tell you, when you start to believe this gospel, we are set free from the fleshly way of saying, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. The one guy even says, I'm of Jesus Christ. What Paul said there was, there were people that say, I am something because I physically spoke to Jesus. There were people that said, well, I'm of Paul. You know, you must listen to me. I'm of Paul. They said, well, I'm of Apollos. People said, well, I, I was physically in the, in the school of Paul. So now that gives me authority to speak to you. Paul said that's being in the flesh. Finding your value in who you sat under. 
what gives us value is what Christ has done. I'm of, I'm of the, who God is. Amen. His very being. That's who you are of. We, fi- we don't find our value in who is our teacher. You know what? Paul, Apollos, some people there at that time said, well, I physically walked with Jesus on the planet, so that makes me special. Oh, you know, this guy has visited the healing school of so-and-so. And now he's come and he's fetched the fire somewhere and he's bringing the fire here. You're in the flesh, man. Repent. Believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ has given value to every man. And we who come to Him take, make use of what is given. We grab a hold of, with the purpose to make use of, the only value we have mentioned in uh, um, Ephesians chapter 1, which is the value of the resurrected Christ, where He has resurrected us from death unto the very life of God Himself. Amen. Amen. I've seen many people go astray because, you know, great faith heroes say things this way and that way, deviating from the truth. And people don't believe what the gospel says, but they believe it because of the reputation of the man. We don't believe somebody because he's got a million people healed. What gives authenticity to his word is if it lines up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. A miracle doesn't make a man's word true. The only miracle that I can record in the Bible that makes the word true, and that was a sign of the word, to me was when the Gentiles prayed in tongues, just like this, while Peter preached. And that miracle was a sign saying, look at the Gentiles. They received. It was a direct sign of the gospel that we can use. But my friend, I want to say to you, I don't want to settle. And and, and maybe I step on some toes, but listen to what I say. I don't want to settle for a mediocre gospel where I can find my emotion of being loved of God by miracles happening to me, gold dust falling on me, oil dripping from my hands, or anything like that. I don't say it cannot happen. I don't say it is that if something that happens like that is not of God. But I don't want to use that and say, like this man, say, Oh God, thank you that I'm not like these other people. At least I've got oil dripping from me. Oh God, thank you that I'm not like these other people. At least I've got gold dust falling on me. Oh God, thank you. You are exalting yourself in your own works. Making, thanking God for putting you in a place where you put your value on what happens to you. Now this is a harsh word, or a hard word, to a people that, if you are still in a legalistic mindset, my friend. But the Bible says in Romans, in Hebrews chapter 12, yet once more He shakes heaven and earth. And every legalistic law mindset will be shaken by the gospel of grace. And I'm not saying this from a platform of powerlessness. And let me not boast, get into foolishness of boasting. Thank you, my God, for what you've done for us. If you've listened to this and you've enjoyed it, wonderful. If this is challenging to you, my friend, thank you, Jesus, that I can stretch forth my hand to people that listen. This has been a great challenge to them, that they will not be offended through this word. Blessed is he that's not offended in Jesus Christ, but that can make a use of what Christ has done and be set free. I speak that power over you, an enlightened mind, a spirit of wisdom, and I declare that you are the blessed of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your gospel. Hallelujah. Well, um, those of you that, um, <clears throat> that have not been on my uh, forum, I would like to advise you to go to dynamicministries.com and click on forum. We have redesigned our whole website, and maybe in the next week or two we, it will it will be, um, we will activate it. Um, you will just see, it will not be the big blue button in the, in the middle. There will be a button on the side that says forum. Please join us in our discussions there. Take part in that. There's very interesting points that people are making there. Um, and we would love to hear what you say about that. Uh, we, we would want your, man, even if you've got a law-based question, you know, that, that, that wants to state something, 
against the gospel, something you don't understand. It's not a place where you're going to be accused. It's not a place where, where um, any. The, the other day, you know, there was people that started to talk, and it just sounded a little bit heated. So we we removed it. It's a place where it's going to be in the right spirit, where it is in the right spirit, uh, speaking and teaching and educating people, hearing and, and fellowshipping for, with, with each other. So please make use of that forum. It's been placed there for you. If you've got anything that you can think that can add to the spreading of the gospel, any good advice you have for the design of our website, the forum, anything, please send it to us that we can look into that. Thank you so much for... For all of you that support this ministry and that love us, God bless you. Remember this one thing, that God loves you and that you can always enjoy the love of God. Amen.